from the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. The Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is out there celebrating! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. A time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win! Yes! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes. It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty alongside my co host and friend, Corbin Ford. I am Garrett Bougay. And uh, Corbin and I are going to be uh, breaking down the uh, the James Harden trade. Of course, uh, I had uh, released last week's episode. We we uh, air episodes uh, every Wednesday, and I had already released uh, last week's episode right prior to the news of the Harden trade materializing. So uh, Corbin and I are going to talk about that a little bit, and uh, also since it's been. A week since the trade, uh, we've gotten to see a couple of games of James Harden in a Nets uniform, so we'll talk about that towards the uh, to, towards the end. But uh, I guess Corbin, I mean, first off, uh, what were what were your immediate reactions? Or I guess first off, how are you? <laughs> you know, I'm doing good. I'm doing okay. I mean, let's make sure again. We talked a little before, but when you when you go to subways or really any fast food restaurant, just Pay close attention to your surroundings and make sure you're making uh, wise food decisions. I'll leave it at that. But aside from that, I'm doing fine. Um, you know, it's another week in, uh, what, we're a month in NBA season. Uh, we are on the cusp of a huge event tomorrow, a month from when we're recording this. So, uh, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. But um, as far as the trade, uh, to answer the second part, I'm, it, it, I don't want to say it took me by surprise. It took me by surprise the team that the deal ended up going through with because – I um I was under the impression I actually put a little uh, poll up um before like asking okay where do you think Harden will go I knew after the events of the of the previous evening you know the lackluster performance the blowout loss the complaint to the media about the team not being good enough and you know basically selling out his teammates kind of thrown on the bus in that way I knew he was gone it was just like he had thrown the ignition on the flame um and it, it, was, it was time to move on but I really thought it was gonna be Philadelphia. I really thought they were waiting for that, and they got it, and that Houston was in a position now where they were vulnerable enough to maybe acquiesce to some of Philly's demands and not giving up too much, uh, whatever the case may be. But that didn't happen. Um, Brooklyn ended up being the, 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 the team which with that was made, and I, I didn't see that happening. I didn't see the framework of a deal that Houston would get what they said they wanted, but apparently uh, Houston changed their mind on what they wanted, at least to a certain extent. Well, yeah, the... Um... The initial reports were that uh, the Rockets were trying to get Ben Simmons, Matisse Thybul, and then also Tyrese Maxey. And uh, I, I, I'm not sure if they were also requiring picks on top of that player package. But, uh, you know, based on the, the the load of draft capital that they received from Brooklyn, you know, I, I, I don't know if that that Sixers offer is good enough. I mean, the Rockets got four first-round picks, including three from Brooklyn and one from the Cavaliers, a pick that the Cavs owned from the Milwaukee Bucks in 2022. 
and then they also got four pick swaps from the Nets. So, you know, basically Brooklyn gave them every possible draft pick they, they could, or at least first-round draft pick they could. Uh, and then also Houston was able to bring in a, uh, you know, a guy in Oladipo who, who I think can, can help them a little bit this season, but also comes off the books, which seems to be pretty important to uh, Tillman Fertitta. <laughs> Um, so, so they really got a lot, but yeah, the, the Philadelphia angle is fascinating and, uh, it's, you know, we'll never know truly at what all went, what all transpired. But to me, Daryl Morey probably in, in my mind just came to the conclusion that given all that we have to concede in this deal, I don't know if, uh, this gamble is really worth it, especially given that. You know, it's it's really a, a two-year bet that you're making with James Harden that you can win a championship in the next two years. And, you know, I, I personally am not sure if a, a Harden-Embiid combo, albeit that would, it would be very, very dangerous. I, I'm, I'm not sure that that would have been good enough to, to, uh, to win championships. I see where you're coming from. I thought it would be. I just thought the window would be extremely narrow. I, 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 my, my point or argument was that I think that there's more of a finite window with Harden and Embiid than there ever will be between Simmons and Embiid. And that's just my personal take. I think that the construct of having a high usage uh, scoring guard who's still in his prime alongside a dominant big man uh, has worked before. And that what we're seeing and what we've seen between Embiid and Simmons not only has it worked, but like limited success. I mean, it's worked up to certain points, but you have to construct the team in a very specific way around the two. And add to that, uh, ben Simmons increased, uh, let's just say, on and off in terms of passivity, uh, in terms of aggressiveness, or lack thereof. I just don't see a, a, a group where you can say, okay, give me Simmons and beat a bunch of shooters and we're good. Give me Simmons and beat a bunch of shooters, another guy who can potentially, you know, uh, take soak up some of that on-ball usage uh, for moments alongside Simmons when he's either not at his A game or, you know, his, his inability to shoot or create consistent offense comes to bite him. Uh, have a nice, solid, big backup for Embiid, just in general, uh, if you start floating. But I just feel there's more caveats and, okay, we need this, and okay, we need that. Where if you put Harden and Embiid together, you get some 3 and D guys. You don't even need a point guard because Harden's basically that for you, and he's going to soak up that kind of time. Get yourself a, a guard who can kind of play defense and shoot the three. You have a blueprint there, even if the blueprint only lasts for two years because between Harden's age and Embiid and his injury history, uh, you don't know. I, I, that was my own personal thought. I, I, I get why you want to bet on 24-year-old Ben Simmons alongside Embiid, but I just don't see it in, in, in Simmons. I, I just don't. I didn't see him as the best player on a championship team for a couple of years. I don't see him now as the second best player. And if that's the case, then, then you kind of have a problem because with what you're paying him and Embiid, who are you going to get a third best player? I mean, you already got you know Tobias Harris, and he's the fourth guy. Yeah, I mean, I... Uh... I'm about as you know me, Corbin. I'm about as low as anybody on Ben Simmons. This is my 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 commentary isn't as much about that as the idea of okay. So if you make that trade again, yeah, you're 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 basically in a two year window, maybe three if Harden were to pick up his player option. Um, but you know, also that would be Harden at age thirty three or thirty four, and uh, if he's still somewhat effective in his health. I mean, his uh, condition, like you said, yeah. And if he's picking that player option up, that's probably not a good sign that his play has uh, has um, gone in the right direction over the years. So my issue would be, okay, yes, is Harden and Embiid as your top two guys, is that good enough? Sure. 
but then, you know, what's your three through nine? And given that in the league we've got teams with, again, prior to this deal, you had the Nets with Durant and Irving. You had the Lakers with LeBron and AD. You had the you have the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George. And those teams, I think, would all have, all three of those groups would have better, you know, three through nine in their rotation than what Philadelphia would end up with, especially if they had to throw in three rotation players in, in Simmons, Maxey, and uh, and Theibel to, to acquire Harden. Uh, yeah, I see where you're coming from. I mean, I feel like those guys, while all have value, I don't think they're going to play significant on a championship team anyway, and if the 76 still consider themselves contenders, uh, as good as they've been, I, 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 maybe I'm just not high on the ancillary pieces that would have to be involved in the deal, but I, I'm not. So, for me, it was like, okay, they're good to have, um, but are you are you high are you high on the what would have been left like at Tobias Harris, Danny Green, Seth Curry, and the the bench essentially? Yeah, and I think that you could probably get yourself a bio guy or something. You'd be in play for that in terms of having, especially if you're a wing, being you know the potential to get some minutes, get some playing time because you are admittedly a little thinner up front, but you got more reliable guys than the guys that you mentioned that I think are going to be relied upon anyway over guys like Dybul and Maxi, especially in this past year's shown promise, but I just don't see them as significant parts this year. Uh, and I'm just not high on, on Dybul in general. Defensively, great, but yeah, I would have been more, I guess, okay with taking the veteran team that you have, getting some bio guys, and seeing what happens. I mean, I look at those two I put up against Milwaukee. I think it's interesting. I don't know. I think you still give Milwaukee the edge there. Uh, if Brooklyn doesn't make the deal, you match up with KD and Kyrie. I don't know how I feel about that one. I guess, especially with the way Kyrie's, you know, not been in there. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I think they're still in the mix. I think that they, they, they level up a little bit, at least in my mind. And they're relying on guys that are okay. Like, I don't want to make Maxi and Thibel sound like they're, I mean, they are not only a small sample size, but even on their best, I just don't see that this year, you know? Yeah. Again, I, um, you know, I, as, uh, as low as I am on Simmons, there also is this idea that, you know, some other team might not be as low, and he still has he still has definite trade value, especially given his age, and he's locked up for the long term. So that's the other thing with this is okay, sure they didn't they didn't pounce on this trade, but they could still be looking to offload Simmons in a future deal, perhaps for like a Bradley Beal type of scenario. Uh, but but yeah, the the other issue for me, and uh, you know I. I brought it up briefly, but, you know, yeah, is, you know, James Harden and Joel Embiid, yeah, that's a terrific one-two punch. But is Tobias Harris, Danny Green, Seth Curry, um, let's see, who else they got on the bench? Cork uh, Maz, I mean, is, Howard. <laughs> Dwight Howard, is that three through seven or eight? Uh, I don't think that's particularly good, but, uh, you I mean, know. I would take that three through eight over Milwaukee's. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at Milwaukee's squad. I mean, I, I like them. Because, uh, I mean, one of Milwaukee's three through eight is either, depending on who you like more, it's either Middleton or Holiday. They've got Lopez. Oh, they, they've yes. got, they've got uh, DiVincenzo. I mean, I, I, yeah, I personally I, think I, Milwaukee's three through, out, three through eight is better. I get you on that. I, I mean, I, I will I will give you the three. I'm not DiVincenzo. Okay. Like, I'm not. He's, he's a solid player. He's shot the 
either Drew Holiday or Middleton. Yeah, that's a heck of a third person. So uh, maybe let me walk that back a little bit. Maybe I should have said four through ten or four through nine because you're right. Milwaukee's top three is is something else. Yeah. So you know, obviously with with Philly, it would have it would have increased their championship odds, but. You know what? What what would it have been then? Would it have gone up? Would it have been five percent? Because to me, if it's a five percent chance, you to me that's not worth it. If it if it got up to like yeah, they're you know Eastern Conference favorite, uh, and you've got like a twenty percent chance, then like yeah, then you then you pull the trigger. But uh, you know maybe Maury kind of thought it was yeah. Obviously, adding a top ten player in James Harden improves your team, but. Um, you know, at a certain point, you've just got to look at the what you're giving up and uh, whether or not, again, trading for James Harden is a very much a present-day move. If, if the present is not improved enough, then you've got to question whether you make that deal. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that, that does make a lot of sense. You're right. Like, it would have been definitely a win-now thing. It would have had to have been, like, something that you, you know, uh, you, you, you see yourself as a shot. This year, things probably would have had to work out in their favor, whether that is some issues with Brooklyn, their chemistry, whether, you know, uh, Milwaukee has another collapse, which don't put it past them. Uh, you know, something of that sort would have happened to make it happen. So, yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, but, yeah, let's let's move to the, the team that actually made the deal, which is the Nets. I, I, I did enjoy that little side discussion. That was uh, fun talking <laughs> about the possibilities with the Sixers, but... Yeah, we'll have to wait and see just uh, what Maury does with that with that roster. But as far as Brooklyn, they they end up giving that uh, that hall of picks I mentioned, as well as four. They send out four players, including Karis Levert, Jared Allen, Rodian Skarooks, and Torian Prince. And my question to you, Corbin, is if if the Nets were willing to give up literally every draft asset they had. Why then are they also conceding everything on the player front? <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. it should be one or the other. Either you give up, you know, the the valuable players you have, or you give up that huge huge draft package. But they seemingly did both. Yeah, I'm not sure as to what they're. I mean, I've been thinking about this for a second now too, and, and it doesn't make any sense to me because. You're right. It's like, okay, one or the other, but to say, okay, I'm going to swing on, on both for, I, I don't know. I was hoping you actually had some uh, context on that one for me. <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, the, obviously you've got to have the matching salary, but they had perfect matching salary in Spencer Dinwiddie. I shouldn't say perfect, but he was, he could have been a guy that they included to help match salary. Uh, and, you know, he's going to be a free agent next year, and he can't play for them because he tore his ACL. So the fact that they can't throw him in there instead of, like, a Jared Allen, who was their best center, and now they're terrible at the center right. position. Are you sure, according to Brooklyn, that was their best center? They're good. I hate to ask this, but oh my goodness. pretty firm on this, right? <laughs> <sighs> Man, they, they must not be, uh, you know, they must not have their eyes open watching... DeAndre Jordan play because seriously, seriously, you're right. Like I wanted to say because I'm like you're right. Like what you're saying is it's rational. It makes perfect sense. But Brooklyn has proven that literally from the fact he was start from day one, who they value out of these two. And and you talk about a win now move. I mean, I guess they think that Jordan's their win now guy. Like the funny thing is, Al's their guy to win now and in the future. Like Jordan was yeah. the minute he came home. 
Well, and they had the opportunity, okay, if you give up, if you have to give up Allen and maybe, you know, the this deal included four teams and, and you know, Cleveland was probably in this for Jared Allen. So, you know, if you have to do that, then get P.J. Tucker as well. You know, do something as opposed to just say, oh, we're just going to, uh, you know, have a... Uh, Perry, a rookie, as our backup center, and also starting this, uh, you know, rapidly declining, mediocre starting center in Jordan. Yeah, and from the jump, I, the reasoning behind that is going to be lost to me, because you're right, even the trading for, I mean, were you not planning on keeping him part of your long-term future? Uh, because this window between KD and Kyrie, and, and now, of course, hard, but I'm saying this was only going to go another, what, two years at tops? You got Allen locked up for the long term. What are we going to do when a 35-year-old DeAndre Jordan? I, that reasoning, I don't know when you... It's it's not quite the Brooklyn trade. You know, people bringing up the Brooklyn trade in 2013 for KG and Kevin and then Paul Pierce. Obviously, there's a lot of differences. But the short-sighted um, mindset to trade everyone away makes zero sense to me. Yeah, it's uh, it's very confusing. So, so, you know, Brooklyn obviously now with... with with uh, with KD, Kyrie, and and Harden, this team is going to be unbelievable offensively. But the issue is they were already unbelievable offensively, even with just two of them. So does adding a third guy, a third offensive star, improve the offense enough to offset the fact that this team is going to be, you know, mediocre? You know, probably fifteenth in the league at best. They're sitting right now in at seventeenth in the league defensively. But you know, I, I imagine that's going to go down, not up. Yeah, I, I guess the, the thing in the trade-offs is that their offense will be so explosive that they can, you know, count on some increased buy-in from Harden. Maybe shore up whatever natural deficiencies you know him, Durant, and, and Irving all have on the defensive end to kind of make up some of that with effort. And just outscore them the other end. Because you're right, you're willingly sacrificing that. Even if you get by guys, you're not getting by out all defensive guys. You're not getting by out, you know, decent defenders like that. I don't see anyone right now, you know, like a Mo Harkless or something that's going to be out there that you can say, okay, here, boom, that's going to be our new stopper. You know, so that has to be your, your gamble that, okay, offense, we're going to do enough and that. We got, you know, uh, Bruce Brown and uh, I guess Reggie Perry and other guys off the bench that can be somewhat defensively stout. Uh, and hopefully they can just hold our position at Lee average. Yeah, uh, man, oh man, though, it's 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 frustrating, you know, thinking about this roster though, because if if you just take this exact roster and um, sub out Dinwiddie for either Jared Allen or PJ Tucker, I would be so much more content with this side of the deal for the Nets. I would feel much more confident picking them to make the finals. I in in the preseason prediction episode we did, I picked the Nets to make the NBA finals and now honestly I'm you know, I, I still think they, they certainly have a decent chance, but I, I can't say that I'm more confident now than I was beforehand and, and perhaps I'm a little bit less because now they're they're out of assets to improve the weak points of the roster. Yeah, it's that's a wrap. You're right. Like they're yeah. In terms of upgrading, I, where is the reasonable way to do that? You know, if people jokingly or maybe not jokingly have talked about Flo and Kyrie Irving, that's never going to happen for the same reason that you traded Jared Allen and kept DeAndre Jordan. Like, that core is in lock. Well, and what team is going to give up the boat for Kyrie given all of the off-court issues at this stage? Listen, you want to trade that works for both teams. 
Rodgers. Russell Westbrook for Kyrie Strick. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, on a realistic, like, totally serious note, I'm not sure you're right. Like, I hadn't even thought that far ahead to really kind of figure out what it would be because I just knew it wouldn't happen. But you're right. Like, uh, the framework of it that gets you a series of reliable role pieces or role players that can fit in around this potential a hypothetical Harden Durant core while also getting a team that needs Kyrie that would be willing to give those pieces away. It doesn't, I don't think that that combination exists right now. Yeah, so let's let's go to the winners of this trade, and and first, just from the human angle, I'm I'm hoping a winner of this trade is Karis Levert because his physical came back, and they found I believe it was a lump on one of his kidneys, uh, and uh, you know, he probably that that wouldn't have been spotted had it, had he not been traded. So this trade could potentially save his life. You know, again, crossing we're we're crossing our fingers that everything is uh, is okay with with Levert. Um, but, you know, outside of the human angle, from a team perspective, I thought Indiana did really good in this deal, given that, uh, you know, they they were probably going to lose Oladipo to nothing. He seemed, uh, you know, um, pretty upset with his situation there in Indiana, wanted to go, and he's a free agent this offseason, and, and they essentially replaced him with Lavert, who's on a reasonable contract for this year and two more seasons following uh, this campaign, and you know, if if things go right, even if they don't have Lavert this season, given the the kidney issues that he's hopefully going to get resolved, they still have a guy that is going to be a, a solid contributor for them for the next couple of years, who's 26 years old and and can mm-hmm. can build with their young core. Oh yeah, I like the fit there. I mean, like you said, first you know, wishing all the best. I mean, not everything works out, but you have someone that fits the timeline better. You know, I think they said all the uh, players are locked up for the next, like you said, three years. I think all of them, and then like two of them, I don't know the exact number, but basically for the next several seasons, this are going to be having plays significantly younger, play the style that might fit better with this team, can do a little more as far as on-ball utility, uh, while also being more of a guy who can get downhill in ways that Oladipo just hasn't been able to, unfortunately, over the last couple of years. I think it's a, a perfect match. I mean, if any team could give him a chance to flourish, I really think that's yeah, and the other the other team that I think is a win in this deal, uh, I think most of the teams are a win except for maybe the team that got the best player. Frankly, right? it's so weird. You're uh, right, though. Um, but you know, Houston just with their their draft stash and and for uh, their their ownership, I think they're happy to be able to. I, I would assume that Oladipo's going to walk. They're not going to retain him for the the, the asking price that he's going to be uh, requiring. Um, but uh, I think Cleveland is a winner as well. You know, they they get a young, really talented center who's just 22 years old in Jared Allen. Uh, he's a restricted free agent, so they seemingly have control and will have him for the foreseeable future. Uh, I, you know, I was listening to, to Dunked On, and, and, and Danny and, and Nate were not as high on this because they were a little bit worried that the Cavs are going to overpay him this offseason, give him something like $18 million. But in my mind, you know, what's the opportunity cost there? I know you can, you can make some moves around the edges using cap space to, uh, to, to get draft capital or whatever. But, you know, even if the Cavs overpay him, for one, we've seen Dan Gilbert is willing to pay whatever it takes. So that's not an issue. And then secondly, you know, it's not as if Cleveland is a free agency destination. Yeah, you're right. 
their cap space is not as valuable. So, you know, if, you, if you've if you got to overpay, that's, a, that's all right, especially when you're acquiring a very talented player at a position of need. I, I know they've, they've had good play from Drummond and, and even Nance a little bit, but Drummond is a free agent after this year. And, uh, you know, Nance has even shown a little uh, capacity to play the four. So uh, to, to lock up a guy that's on the same timeline as a Garland, as a Sexton, and as a, a Coro, I think is a great get for Cleveland, especially when it's literally just a, you know, a poor first-round pick that uh, they had from, from the Milwaukee Bucks in 2022. Oh, yes, most definitely. I like the fact they were able to do this on a rule. fronts there and and yeah the 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 Porter Jr. situation uh, in hindsight looks really bad especially given the Cavs spent four second rounders to to move up and get back into the the late the last pick of the first round to uh to get him and I'm pretty sure from from the rumors that I heard that there was there was questions about him off the court and that's maybe why he dropped to the end of the first round in the first place Even without Porter Jr., though, I like what the Cavs are, are building a little bit. I think we, we've seen enough progression from, from some of their guards, although they've been injured as of late. Uh, you know, the um, uh, they, they're doing something in Cleveland. I don't know how successful it will be, but I, I, uh, I think they've got some intriguing pieces there to uh, be excited about. 
Um, as far as the let, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Brooklyn Nets here, Corbin, before we wrap up and 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 what we've seen from the first couple of games from James Harden. Uh, the Nets sitting at nine and six overall, fifth in the NBA in offensive rating, seventeenth in defensive rating. They uh, they beat the Orlando Magic in James Harden's debut, one twenty two to one fifteen on Saturday, and then they uh, they ended up defeating the Milwaukee Bucks in a really fun tight contest, one twenty five to one twenty three on Monday. But uh, so far, you know. Harden has been putting up some some gouty numbers, points, rebounds, assists, as well as turnovers. Yeah, you're right. I mean, some of that, I guess, is just getting a better feel for the team. In other cases, it is a little a bit of sloppiness, but he's trying to, I think he's almost over-eager right now in how he's playing uh, with these guys, if I had to surmise what I've seen so far. Um, numbers are good. You're right. The, the, the turnovers are piling just as much, but he's actually almost playing point guard. Well, he's not almost. He is playing point guard, uh, at least in the absence of the Kyrie. So you expect something to go down when he can acquire more of a scoring-focused mindset uh, alongside those two. That's going to be interesting to see how they work. But, yeah, in general, yeah, you said it. Um, the turnovers have been kind of real, but so far so good in terms of getting his shots. There is a decent bounce, even though uh, it was funny. He actually took more shot attempts, more makes as well, than Durant in the um, in the Brooklyn-Milwaukee game. But you can also tell from what we've seen so far that rebounding, yikes. Yeah, and, and Steve Nash has certainly not been shy getting Harden out on the floor in, in, in his first two games. Nash has played him 40 minutes against the Magic and 41 against the Bucks. And yeah, the, the turnovers have been bad, a 19% turnover rate for Harden. But but as you said, it's a bit just getting acclimated. He didn't get an opportunity to, to have uh, a practice session with the team. It's, so it's a lot of just him going out there and playing pickup ball. <laughs> Uh, for the first for the first few uh, contests, but his chemistry with DeAndre Jordan has also been lacking a little bit on those lob plays. Uh, they they haven't been successful on too many of those. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I have noticed that he's been. I mean, it's it it hasn't been prime like OKC days off the ball, but he's uh, he's moved a little bit more than than he was doing in Houston you know he's not doing that standing at half court when he doesn't have the ball that he did with the rockets uh, way too frequently uh, and you know we've even seen a few times where he's gotten a, a couple of threes off from from a flare screen and, and catching it off the ball yeah honestly that that really grinds my gears Garrett that he's acting in such a way that he never gave Russell the opportunity last year uh, we didn't really get to see Harden you know, if Harden was doing this type of off-ball action and, and kind of committed to playing a proper two-guard role, maybe Russell looked better than he did with his your-turn-my-turn stuff. Uh, yeah, maybe Russ would have won MVP. <laughs> Way to commit to the bit. Way to commit to the bit, Garrett. <laughs> but yes, he is moving in a way that he wasn't in, in, uh, in Houston. And part of that is actually my theory that, at least in a certain extent, you know, uh, with Russell when he went over to Houston, Sort of, and then with Harden when he went over to Brooklyn, of course, small sample size of Harden in Brooklyn, but you go from a part where maybe you're unwilling to change the way that you play because somebody came to join your incumbent team. But now that you're the guy in the move, you have to realize that, okay, it's my turn to at least pretend to change a little bit. So we saw Russell pretend to play a little bit more off-ball, or not pretend, he tried, but, you know, in terms of uh, breaking the way that he played the last eight-plus years, and now Harden over the last two games is also trying to break a habit he's had over the eight-plus years of him being a, a, a solitary uh, main attraction, number one option. Yeah. Um, 
It uh, it'll be it'll be a lot more valuable to uh, to get to see all three of them on the floor, and also maybe uh, you know a few weeks down the line when Harden has worked himself into a little bit better shape. It was obvious that he was uh, you know not in peak form, given that he was unhappy being in Houston. Uh, oh, very clear. But oh, very clear. Uh, but you know all signs are are looking really positive for how Kevin Durant has looked. How surprised have you been at? Uh, at KD and his performance this season, averaging around 30 points a game. It's insane. Like, he's not MV, he's not an MVP, like, top, like, MVP candidate for me. He's an MVP candidate. He's not my choice for MVP candidate. There we go. But he's been playing like someone who has barely lost a step. I mean, you can look a little bit, maybe, and only the fine things that I certainly can't point out, but you'll see on Twitter, guys who watch a lot more basketball than me, guys who are a lot more into the whole biomechanics of people, can point out, like, a, a, a lag here or there. That could be either just age or general attrition uh, because of injury. But you wouldn't know it. The dude's still a walking bucket. He still cannot be stopped. He looks just as fast as ever. And that was one thing that was talked about, you know, hey, uh, speed, you know, lateral, whatever the case may be, would suffer a little bit, but he's so skilled and so uh, long that it wouldn't matter anyway. But forget that. He doesn't look that bad on that or neither. Yeah, I mean, he's a surefire top 10, and, you know, he's been borderline a top 5 guy this year so far, uh, which is uh, really, really positive news for uh, for Nets fans. Uh, and, you know, again, outside of the center position, I still, even, you know, the fact that they essentially traded four players for one, I still like the depth on this team, you know, bringing the likes of, of Bruce Brown and... Uh, and Landry Shamit, and once Kyrie's back, presumably Jeff Green off the bench. Like, they still have uh, a, a decent rotation one through four. It's just that, uh, you know, and, and I will forever be on Landry Shamit Island. I know he's been struggling with his shooting, but, uh, you know, that stroke is just so sweet. I, I trust it, even though the, the numbers don't say so. That's you, your Landry Shamit to my Russell Westbrook. I've used that Russell Westbrook like four times in a is pretty good except for one position and and perhaps uh, the, uh, the 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 buyout market will be beneficial to them and uh, I'll have to look more into that and see what potential starting caliber centers might be available uh, in the buyout market but uh, they certainly need it and unfortunately for them it's not just a matter of needing like a you know I, I think a lot of times in the buyout market you can get a quality like seventh or eighth man like you know the bucks a couple of years or the sixers a couple of years ago picking up Ilya sova the bucks picking up marvin williams last year like i think you know that's typically what the buyout market presents uh, very rarely do you see starting caliber guys out there available true uh, in fact we were just kind of touching back when we were talking with the 76 i was banking that if they would have made that hardened trade uh, something like that would have happened, happened again where you do get Ilya Sova or Marco Bellinelli, guys who can actually make an impact come playoff time uh, at least four games or so. You know what you're getting uh, in the buyout market. They're not there for nothing. But at the same time, um, you know, you have a few that are out there that have talents and skills that lend themselves perfectly well to teams. And you're right. Like, that's something that, yeah, I mean, it's not likely, you know. 
I presume you you mean when you say uh, the Sixers in the 2021 buyout market getting a uh, Ilyasova or Bellinelli, the the 2021 version of those players. Of... Oh, oh, yes, no, of course, that's exactly what I mean. No, no, I mean 35 year old uh, Bellinelli and 33 year old Ilyasova are still out there, and you know what? The defense that was already a negative one has dropped, but offensively has dropped too. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, the, the Nets are certainly going to continue to be really, really fun to watch, and uh, you know, I, I continue to, I continue to uh, thoroughly enjoy w- listening to their broadcast with Ian Eagle and Sarah Kustak. At one point, Dwayne ba- they were playing the Magic, and Dwayne Bacon, of course, a member of Orlando, he got cooked on a play defensively, and uh, Ian Eagle mentioned that uh, they cured some bacon. All right, Corbin. Well, I appreciate you you coming on and, and doing this. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we're um, when when people are listening to this, hopefully the uh, the light at the end of the tunnel has actually shown up. And uh, with the uh, the inauguration of uh, of Joseph R. Biden. Yep. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Please, if you can, if you have a moment, go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and review preferably five stars, and uh, if you could give any thoughts about what you like about the show, that would be much appreciated. We are also on Spotify, so uh, you can give us a rating on there as well. If you'd like to find some other content outside of this podcast, you can find me on Twitter, at Garrett Bougay, that's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-U-G-A-Y. I will be... uh, tweeting various uh, NBA thoughts as well as some some thoughts on some other uh, interests of mine including soccer and film and television so uh, if you're looking for some of my takes throughout the the course of the week you can find me there you can find my co-host Corbin Ford on Twitter at Corbin NBA that's C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A so uh, he uh, he does a does a good job on Twitter as well he's very active I'm also doing uh, some work as a contributor for Rip City Project, which uh, does all things Blazers. So if you're looking for some written content, you can check those websites out. Corbin also does his own pod on the side called NBA Today. Uh, he, uh, he does some, some fun work over there, so, so please, I encourage you to check that out. But uh, thanks so much again for, for listening, and have a great rest of your day.